Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 234. If I'd behaved differently, he'd be here. I don't know, guys. Something is in the water because there is a lot of heartbreak going on. And obviously, as a heartbreak coach, that is what I am often exposed to. But things feel extra heavy for the heartbroken people around me, my clients, and other people outside of work who are moving through a lot of heartbreak. And this was a thought. If I'd behaved differently, he'd be here we'd still be together, that came up for a client who is really moving through it. And I could not relate to that thought more. And I also know it's not true that if you'd behaved differently, your ex would be here. Please keep in mind, you guys, that I do tend to lean on the heteronormative pronouns of he versus she. I I'm a straight woman who has moved through a lot of heartbreak and called in the love of my life, man of my dreams, Larry. But please apply whatever gender pronouns work for you because, of course, heartbreak, dating, relationships, finding love is a universal lesson. So how is it not true if I'd behaved differently, he'd be here? Okay, well, the reality of the matter is we'll never know. But if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that one of my absolute favorite quotes is from Byron Katie. And she says, when you argue with reality, you suffer. When you argue with reality, you suffer. So when you're thinking the thought, if I'd behaved differently, well, you didn't behave differently. You behaved the way that you did, right? So you can't argue with that. We can't go back and undo whatever was said or done. And please keep in mind, when I'm talking about if I'd behaved differently, what I'm really referring to is things that were said or done. If, and I have a whole podcast episode on cheating and affairs, I don't think cheating and affairs are black and white issues. I can understand how they unfold and how they happen. But Okay, could it possibly be true? And this is where I've been saying recently in my recent episodes, please, you know, understand that I can't apply every single episode to your unique situation. And there are just so many nuanced, different circumstances that are unfolding in everybody's heartbreak. But okay, if you cheated on your spouse and you were in love with them and they ultimately left and you think that if you hadn't cheated, you'd stayed. There could be some truth to that. But what I'm really referring to is saying things and doing things in the relationship that were hurtful or harsh or overreactive, because that tends to be a majority of the clients who I attract. Women who are really licking their wounds over someone that is no longer in the picture, and then they beat themselves up 
as to why the ex is no longer in the picture. So I, again, really relate to this thought. If I'd behaved differently, he'd be here because not just in my rock bottom relationship where you can go to episode five and hear about the worst relationship of my life at 29 and 30 years old. As I record this in August of 2023, I'm now 42 years old, but it truly was the lowest point of my life and the relationship before that rock bottom relationship. So at 27 and 28 years old, still such a great guy. I just have such a soft spot for him, but we still engaged in a toxic relationship. And both of those heartbreaks, I really kicked myself and believed that if I had been different, we would still be together. Because there were parts of both of those exes and those relationships that I loved, hence why I was in love with them, hence why we were together, hence why I believe they were in love with me the chemistry, the passion, the fun. We both, both of those exes are actors and I was an actor at the time. So we had a dream that we were chasing together and we were in the struggle and the grind together. And there was a bond there, right? Someone who really understands what I'm doing and someone who isn't going to judge my, you know, little to no money situation. I mean, there was so much good in both of those relationships that I had never experienced before that had me really holding on to them and regretting a lot of my behavior. What kind of behavior? I was very anxiously attached to both of these men. And I kind of hate lumping the two of them together because one was was such a good guy and still is such a good guy. And the other is my narcissistic abusive ex who was in another relationship and involved with other women behind my back. And, you know, you just I always say a lifetime movie script couldn't write the story of this dude's antics. But I'm lumping them together because I'm talking about how I showed up in both of those relationships. And there was definitely a pattern for the way that I showed up. I was, especially in the first relationship with the good guy at 27 and 28 years old, I really took, you know, his behavior very personally. And he was just living his life and traveling to Europe and doing what he loves and still loved me. But I remember him going to Italy. This is so, I'm, this is just like, coming to mind right now. He had an opportunity to go and stay in Italy for free. And I took that very personally because we had little money at the time. And I thought, well, why wouldn't you want to use that money and that time to for us to travel together? Like I made it about me. I just remember that being a fight at the time. He also always wanted to hang out with friends. He lived with like four guys, four or five guys. And every time we were going to get a coffee, like they were all joining us and I would get so mad. I was so reactive and I took all these choices that he made very personally and they weren't personal at all. They weren't about me at all. However, looking back now, it was just clear that we were not compatible because I wanted more alone time. I wanted, you know, 
if I was going to travel with the little money that I had, I would do it with him versus like go off with my friends. And that doesn't make me a better person. I don't even think that makes me a clingy person. I just think, you know, now in the relationship that I'm in with my fiance, Larry, it's just we are so the priority of what we want to do in our downtime together. Of course, Larry has a life outside of me. I have a life outside of him. But like, we are each other's main focus. And maybe for that ex today, he's married now. Maybe that that's how it works for them today. But I'm talking about a long time ago. I was very reactive. I took it very personally. And then when we ultimately did break up, there was a lot of making up and breaking up. I thought, oh my God, if only I hadn't been mad, if only I hadn't been so reactive, if only I just respected that he liked to spend time with his friends and I just rolled with it. That's just not true. I regret my behavior. I regret how I overreacted. I regret how I attacked him. It was embarrassing. I felt a lot of shame. I also had never stepped foot in a therapist's office or even cracked open a self-help book by the time that I was 28. So I was very comfortable in my victim story and very comfortable pointing fingers and thinking that I was very justified in getting upset. So going back to the thought, if I'd behaved differently, he'd be here. If I'd behaved differently, it would have just been nice to hold my head high and say, I think we have different ideas of what being in a serious relationship looks like. I also know he wasn't thinking at all about marriage or kids. He was very focused on his acting career. And I grew up in a town, Rye, New York, represent. And then I went to college in Pennsylvania, Lehigh, represent, where my friends at 28 years old were starting to settle down and get married and think about a family and buying homes. Now, I was in no financial position, nor was my boyfriend at the time. But I just assumed that that was on the forefront of his mind as well, because, I, again, I was unconscious. I just thought, oh, we're in love. I'm 27, 28. He's in his mid-30s. Of course, we're going to be thinking about marriage. He was in no position to settle down. I was in no position to settle down, but I just wanted him to make it a priority. I wanted it to be talked about. And because, again, he was more focused on acting and didn't want to commit to a marriage, even though I knew he was in love with me. I really believed that. We just were on different pages. So, I regret my behavior because it was emotionally immature, reactive, and aggressive towards him, and he didn't deserve that. But I don't believe if I had behaved differently, he'd be here. I hope that that makes sense. You can take responsibility for your behavior, and you can learn how to be a more emotionally mature adult in your romantic partnerships and hopefully in all your relationships. And still not be together because I just don't think we were compatible. So moving on to Rock Bottom X right after this relationship, I really believed if I had behaved differently, he wouldn't have gone astray. That's how fucking far gone I was in terms of how low I thought of myself. My lack of worth was beyond measure. Again, something that I was not conscious of. Because he had been pining for me for a few years. I actually believe that was true. And when we got together, it was just pure bliss, so much fun. And then I started just 
smelling some weird behavior, my gut started telling me some shit was not right. And then again, even though at this point, post that relationship at 27, 28 with the guy where he's a good guy, we just weren't compatible. So I don't believe if I had behaved differently, we'd still be together. But after that relationship, I left New York, went to L.A., and really embarked on a a spiritual soul-searching journey and started reading all the books and started working with healers and discovered yoga on a spiritual level versus just the physical level, came back to New York to get my yoga teaching certification because the economy had crashed in 2008. So I was back now in 2009 and decided to get my yoga teaching certification as a plan B to support my plan A of acting. And that's when Rock Bottom X just swooped in. I was so vulnerable financially, career-wise, and still just licking my wounds from the first relationship. And it was just bliss until it wasn't bliss. And I started being like, what the fuck? None of this is adding up. What the fuck? Why do you keep separating me from your theater company where I know everybody? What the fuck? Why is this really nice girl who I've known for years all of a sudden giving me the cold shoulder when I do cross pads with her? And he came up with all the fucking cockamamie lies and it wasn't landing. And I just started getting more anxious, more needy, more loud. And then I'd be meditating and breathing and then him telling me, you're crazy. You've got demons within you. I'm going to help you. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. And then I'd just be doing all this self-help work thinking I'm fucking crazy. And then the worst part, you guys, I had such amazing close sister friends who were also believing his shit. And it was like, I was the problem for being so paranoid that he would go astray. And so I just started flipping my shit, getting really mad, threatening to leave, all of it. And, you know, when it came out in the wash, actually all of my hunches turned out to be true. So, yeah, I was blaming myself, right? The thought if I'd behaved differently he'd still be here. Like if I hadn't questioned him, then maybe I, 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 I fucked myself in the head so much. I thought, oh, I was fearing that he was cheating on me. So he did cheat on me. So I created that. Fuck no. He created that. That behavior was on him. Because, you know, you can have a partner that's grating on you and attacking you and you could also not cheat on them. And you could also just say, hey, you're, you're, you know, we could go to therapy together. You're freaking out. I'm not going anywhere. Everything's transparent. Oh, you're thinking I'm being shady and keeping you separate from the theater company. Babe, why don't you come out tonight and why don't you hang out with this girl? And, you know, I'll just show you everything's cool. Everyone knows that we're together. Oh, that was another thing. He was untagging himself from pictures that I would post of him on Facebook. I mean, just so much shady behavior. Ultimately was telling a bunch of people that we were not dating, including the other woman who he was simultaneously dating. I don't think my behavior drove him to do that because what I know is that he cheated on so many women before me. That cheating behavior is his shit, not my shit. I could have been the most loyal, loving, trusting, naive partner. And he still would have done it. He just would have done it for longer. And it would have just come out in the wash later. And I just would have been beyond shocked because I was asleep at the wheel and not paying attention to my gut. If I'd behaved differently, 
you know, or, okay, that's one option, right? Where I was just completely checked out, not like my gut wasn't telling me anything and I just worshiped him and believed in the best of him and never questioned his shady behavior. Or my gut did say all those things and I pretended my gut wasn't saying anything so that I could keep him and live this life and ignore something screaming from within saying you're in the wrong relationship. That would have been a fucking miserable existence. And I never would have been able to have done it because I'm so sensitive. I identify as a highly sensitive person, major empath. I feel things deeply. I feel and sense energies in every room I walk into. I can tell even with Larry's kids, I was saying this recently, you know, obviously kids have different moods and their heads are focused on so many different things. And I feel like I can tell if they're annoyed with me or they're just in a mood and they're annoyed, period. (laughs) I just really feel very tuned in to people. I can tell when Larry is off or distracted or checked out and I'm very connected to what's going on with me. I just couldn't live like that. I couldn't live then ignoring my gut and I could never live today ignoring my gut. So did I behave in quote unquote crazy ways to use rock bottom X's words to describe my behavior? Yes. I mentioned recently that I punched him across the chest when I first discovered he was cheating on me. I screamed all the things, said all the hateful things, called him a million times when I didn't know his whereabouts, you know, totally on paper, looked like the quote unquote crazy lady. And, you know, that's a product of gaslighting. That's a product of emotional abuse. That's a product of your gut telling you, sister friend, you are in emotional danger. This person is not a good person. This person is fucking you over. And I was losing my mind and losing a ton of weight and losing a ton of hair out of my head. There's no way I could ignore what was happening. Yeah. Looking back, do I sit here proudly sharing that I punched him or that I stayed as long as I did? Like, why didn't I just get out when I did? But I didn't. And this is what I want you guys to really clue into because I've just given you two examples. And maybe you're tuning into this podcast episode because you have this thought, if I'd behaved differently, he'd be here. And I've given you these two different examples of being in two different kinds of relationships that weren't right. Maybe you don't relate to either of those, but here's what I know. I did not have the tools to handle those two toxic relationships. Even though the first guy was a good guy, it was still a toxic relationship. We brought the worst out in each other. I just didn't have the tools at the time because I was really broken, which attracted me to them who were really broken. And so that dance was going to unfold in that way with two broken people, irrespectively. I didn't have the tools at the time, so it had to get that explosive, dramatic, crazy, if you will, in order to get out. And the takeaway in my healing work is, yeah, I'm going to take responsibility for my reactions and my behaviors and my words and learn how to heal and grow and learn how to be more emotionally mature 
not just with a romantic partner, but more emotionally mature with myself. What am I thinking? How am I feeling? What actions is this driving me to do? How do I want to be thinking, feeling, and behaving if I find myself in a situation like this again? But you're only going to be compelled to heal, learn, and grow once you've been so beaten down and broken. And I was never physically hurt. I'm just using that as a an emotional description, right? I felt emotionally beaten down. You're not going to be compelled to heal, learn, and grow unless your situation has gotten so fucking bad and you see a side of yourself that alarms you, that you feel shamed of, that you still get to take responsibility for and clean up. And that's a fine line as well. I know my behavior was a result of his emotional abuse, but I also know if I was to ever... And this was my work throughout my 30s because that relationship ended. I didn't meet Larry, my fiance, until 38 years old. I knew that if I ever got into a relationship where my gut was saying, sister friend, get the fuck out. This is really shady behavior, which, by the way, there were several men who I did engage with who I was just like, this isn't right. This is not right. And I'm out. You know, I knew that I would just remove myself instead of engage and listen to the bullshit and listen to the stories changing and listen to how I'm the fucking problem and I'm the drama queen and all of that bullshit and just get out. And I wouldn't have learned unless I went through the shit with those two relationships in particular where, okay, it had to happen this way with the wrong people in order for me to clean up my shit and call in the right person. It had to happen with the wrong people in order for me to heal, learn, and grow and work on my own shit for the right person to come in. But what a couple of my clients are struggling with who believe if I'd behave differently, he'd be here is, no, 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 no. But all the good parts with this person made it worth it for me to want to fight for us to stay together because that's the best connection they've ever had, the best chemistry they've ever had. There were so many amazing moments. They were planning forever together. And it was worth it for my clients who are believing this right now. If I behave differently, he'd be here to work on the relationship because there was enough good there. But if the other person has left the building, there wasn't enough good there because it's out of your control. And when you argue with reality, you suffer. And when you have enough space and time away from that relationship, I am telling you, I am telling you, you will see that there was so much more wrong and so much more that was incompatible between the two of you that wasn't going to make the relationship sustainable. Yeah, if you pretzeled your way into being someone or pretending to be someone so the person could stay, maybe they'd stay, but you'd be fucking miserable. What I want for you is to tap into your most authentic self, to really do the work, to heal and learn and grow from your own wounds so that you can really attract someone who, where the chemistry is there and the love and the fun and the commitment and the loyalty and the security and the passion and the emotional support and someone who's going to really fucking challenge you and hook into your weaknesses and help you grow through them and will be receptive to you hooking into theirs and who really wants to move through the hard with you and who can 
have these emotionally mature conversations, but maybe sometimes it's messy and sometimes that person reveals their worst side and you reveal yours because I just think that that's inevitable in a lifelong partnership. But there's an innate trust that your partner has their shit together, you have your shit together, and you get each other's shit and you're going to call each other out and you're going to work through it. And that might be really triggering and hard to hear because you're like, no, but I wanted to do that with them. But when they're fundamentally different people and want to live their lives in a different way, whether it's spend a lot of time with friends, travel on their own, they're on a different timeline for when they want to settle down, or it's more toxic with, yeah, he wants to have his cake and eat it too and fuck a bunch of women and do his own thing and lie to you and gaslight you, which is obviously extreme you know, that's not something to fight for. And yeah, are compromises a part of a relationship? Sure. I'm a major introvert. Larry is way more extroverted. And we get a lot of alone time because it's 50-50 with his kid's schedule. But even still, we see his kids a lot more than 50-50 because we're very involved with supporting their activities and everything. But, you know, we get nights alone to ourselves and mornings alone and weekends away for sure. We have that time. But Larry even just recently said to me, you know, I I want to I feel disconnected from my friends. I want to see more of my friends, our friends, and I'm like I'm so fucking tired. I I feel like everything that we've had going on, so much family this summer, so much travel, so much work going on, all the kids different activities, like I am tapped out. So what do we do? We you know, compromise. I'm still willing to put some friend dates on the calendar. And I'm also willing to ask for downtime. And I'm also willing to say, hey, babe, if you want to go hang out with your friends because you feel disconnected to them, I want you to go do that. I'm just going to I'm going to take a break and, you know, recharge myself. But, you know, that's a relatively simple solution. And then there's just people who are in the extreme extreme where they just want to be around friends all the time. So then where the coaching comes into place, and I would really just need to know your own unique individual situation is what are the things that I'm willing to work on that he's willing to work on and compromise? And what are the things that are just like, it's their way or the highway or my way or the highway, and I'm not willing to budge. And you just need to really look at then if this person isn't willing to budge, you know, is that acceptable? And can we move forward? Because Again, I guess fine line is the theme of this episode. I'm still in a dream relationship where we are not, you know, I think we're a perfect match for each other on all the levels, but we're not perfect people. And, you know, we challenge each other and we have fights and we have really hard times and there are things that are different. And that's what comes to mind. He also has so much family and he like loves you know, all the visitors all the time. And and that's, you know, as much as I love all the people, you know, I need a limit to that because I've been so used to for my 20s and my 30s doing my own thing and, you know, having my own schedule and having my own space, right? So it's like those kinds of adjustments that are pretty manageable to do because the meat and the potatoes of the relationship and the respect and the love and the communication and the understanding where the other person is coming from and, you know, really implementing action 
post the conversation. I hear from a lot of people like, yeah, we talk about it, but then nothing really changes. So then if nothing really changes, that's when you've got to go. And so I often get asked this question, you know, well, how do I know what's okay to stay for? And how do I know when it's time I should leave? That's up to you. You know, a lot of people wouldn't sign up for a man and four children. A lot of people wouldn't leave their city where they created an amazing life to move up to join another person's family like I did. That worked for me because of the love and the connection and the relationship that I have with Larry that was like no other. That might not be for you, right? But you have to get clear on what it is that you want in a partnership. And with that, have a little room for flexibility because I certainly wasn't saying, oh yeah, like I'm looking to date a man with four children and not have my own. I still have wanted to have my own. I loved my life in LA, but I also allowed for myself to leave room to be, and I'll steal this from my client, room to be surprised and delighted. And Larry beyond surprised and delighted me. And it required me to give up a lot and to give a lot of myself. But for me, what I get in return, the love for the kids and the love from the kids and the love for Larry and what we have and the love from him and living in Santa Barbara ain't too shabby. But that was right for me. It may not be right for you. You have to decide what is and isn't right for you. Because of course, compromise is a part of being in a wonderful relationship. But in those two scenarios, those two relationships that I described, I I know obviously I wasn't fundamentally <laughs> compatible with a narcissistic abusive ex, but I wasn't compatible with the first lovely guy at 27 and 28 years old. And he's such a good human and, and now happily married. And yet we were just not the right fit. So I can not love my behavior and I can heal, learn and grow from it and still know that that person wasn't my person. And that's what I want to offer you and, you know, have you unpack for yourself, whether it's one relationships, two relationships, three relationships, 10 relationships. If you find yourself in a pattern of kicking yourself and shaming yourself and believing that it's your fault, and if you had just said and done things differently, your person would be here, I would invite you to look at how that is really actually true. Because I know for one of my clients, there were a lot of things that was not working in the relationship. And now she's just in bargaining mode of, oh, if only and no, I'd be fine with that now. I just want him to come back. And I just think her brain is bullshitting her. There was a lot that wasn't working. But when he left the building, her brain was like, wait, what? No. Right. Which is very normal. That happened to me, too. But this is inviting her to, yeah, take responsibility and maybe in his brain and his feedback to her is, well, I'm leaving because you did and said these things. But she said and did those things because there was something that wasn't working for her. And maybe in the future, when she's in her ideal relationship, yeah, I still want her to be able to vocalize, hey, this isn't working for me. And maybe she can do it in a more delicate way. But I really believe it's going to be with a person who is more right for her, who is more compatible with her, who gets her and is deeply connected to her and is going to call her out on her shit throughout the relationship in a loving and productive way. You know, what she has described in her recent relationship that fell apart is, you know, Nothing that I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy's the one who got away. And that's the thing, my loves. 
I promise you when you do this work, I'm offering one-on-one coaching and I also have my group program. There's a six-month option, a one-year option. I also am offering payment plans with the group program. It's anonymous for 90-minute calls a week, different times every week, early morning Pacific Standard Time, early afternoon, late afternoon, so that everyone can get their hearts healed and find love and find a deeper connection to themselves. That's where the gold is in really recognizing that that person was not supposed to be your person because if they were, they'd be here. And as time goes on, when you focus on what wasn't working in the relationship and the way that they handled the separation and then the, as you unpack it, I'm, I've been doing this work now for seven years, heartbreak coaching, and I am telling you, no one under my watch leaves the work with me still thinking that that person was their person and they don't have to be a demon. That's why I liked talking about these two different exes of mine. One was a demon, one wasn't. And I loved him very much. And I know he loved me. And we did not really have the same idea about what a thriving romantic partnership looked like at that time. And that doesn't make it less painful, but it brings you to reality and it also stops you from the self-blame and the shame and the shoulda, woulda, coulda-ing because that is just creating more torture and more pain for you in your heartbreak. So not true if you behaved differently that person would be here. It had to unfold the way it did. You can still not love the way you behaved and take responsibility and investigate that and look at what compelled you to think, feel, and behave the way that you did and live and learn for next time. And I am telling you, the quicker you move through compassion and self-forgiveness and take responsibility and heal that part of you, and own who you are and know that you are completely lovable no matter what, that's what's going to bring you closer to the next person. Hey, yeah, I've got anxious attachment style. I'm an empath. I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm very irritable. So I need to manage my side of the street. And I'm also looking for a man who wants to work through that with me, not for me to be his project or his responsibility, but that he understands this side of me and he's not going to go anywhere and he'll challenge me where he sees fit. And I'll remove myself where I see fit when I've just had enough. That's, that's the work that Larry and I do together. And it's not easy, but it's so freaking worth it. And I don't think I could have attracted such a healthy and secure and wonderful partner to unconditionally love me through it until I learned how to unconditionally love myself through it. And it's not flawless. It's not perfect. Sometimes I'm beating myself up for saying the bitchy thing, but it's way fewer and far between because I do this work every single day. And I'd love nothing more than to do this work with you too. So head to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com, click on the work with me page. You can go to apply to my group program or one-on-one. And I can't wait to read your application. So much love, my loves. Until next time. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. 
I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after. Happily ever after.